Chapter 3 Ruth's Faith and Reward Many young converts deserve encouragement because they have left all their old associates. Ruth, no doubt, had many friends in her native country, but she tore herself away to cling to Naomi and her God. Perhaps she parted from a mother and a father. If they were alive, she certainly left them to go to the Israelites' country. Possibly she said goodbye to brothers and sisters. She certainly left old friends and neighbors. She resolved to go with Naomi and share her fate. She said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Ruth 1, 16-17 A young convert to Christianity is an emigrant from the world, and has become, for Christ's sake, a stranger. He might have had many companions, friends who made him happy, after their own way, men of fascinating manners who could easily provoke his laughter and make the hours fly by, but because he found in them no savour of Christ, he has forsaken them, and for Christ's sake they have forsaken him. He has become as a speckled bird among his old associates, and they are all against him. Maybe you have seen a canary that has flown from its home, where it enjoyed the kindness of its owner. You have seen it out among the sparrows. They pursue it as though they would tear it into pieces, and they give it no rest anywhere. In the same way, the young convert, being no longer of the same feather as his associates, is the subject of their persecution. He endures trials of cruel mockings, Hebrews 11.36, and these are as hot irons to the soul. He is now to them a hypocrite and a fanatic. They honor him with ridiculous names by which they express their scorn. In their hearts they crown him with a fool's cap, and consider him both a fool and a fiend. He will need to exhibit years of holy living before they will be forced into respect for him, and all because he is quitting their Moab to join with Israel. Why should he leave them? Has he grown better than they? Does he pretend to be a saint? Can he not drink with them as he once did? His life is now a protest against their excesses, and men do not care for such protests. Can he not sing an amusing song as they do? They know he's turned saint, but what is a saint to them but a hypocrite? He is much too strict and puritanical for them, and is not to be endured in their free society. According to the rank in life, this opposition takes one form or another, but in no case does Moab admire the Ruth who deserts her idols to worship the God of Israel. It's not natural that the prince of darkness would want to lose his subjects, or that the men of the world would love those who shame them. When Ruth had left her former connections, it was wise and kind for Boaz to address her in words of comfort, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Ruth 2, 12. After Ruth had left her old companions, she went among strangers. She was not yet at home in the land of Israel, but confessed herself a stranger. Ruth 2, 10. She knew Naomi, but she knew no one else in the entire town of Bethlehem. 
When she went into the harvest field, the neighbors were there gleaning, but they were not her neighbors. They offered her no glance of sympathy. Perhaps they looked at her with cold curiosity. They may have thought, What business has this Moabitess to come here to take away a part of the gleaning that belongs to the poor of Israel? I know that such feelings do arise among country people when a stranger from another parish comes gleaning in the field. Ruth was a foreigner, and of course, in their eyes, she was an intruder. She felt herself to be alone, although under the wings of Israel's God. Boaz very properly felt that she should not think that courtesy and kindness had died out of Israel. He made a point, although he was by far her superior in position, to go to her and speak a word of encouragement to her. A new convert is like Ruth in another respect. He is very lowly in his own eyes. Ruth said to Boaz, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger. Ruth 2, 10. She said again, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. Ruth 2, 13. She had little self-esteem, and therefore she won the esteem of others. She felt herself to be a very insignificant person, to whom any kindness was a great favor. Young converts also feel this way if they are real and true. We meet with a certain class of them who are rather brash and forward, as the fashion of the day is in certain places, and then we don't think as much of them as they do of themselves. The genuine ones, though, who are truly renewed and who really hold out and continue to the end, are always humble and are frequently very trembling, timid, and lacking confidence. They feel that they are not worthy to be put among the children, and they come to the Lord's table with holy wonder. I remember when I first went to the house of God as a Christian youth, I had recently come to know the Lord, that I looked with veneration on every officer and member of the church. I thought they were all, if not quite angels, yet very nearly as good. At any rate, I had no heart to criticize them, for I felt myself to be so undeserving. A young convert is like Ruth because he has come to trust under the wings of Jehovah, the God of Israel. This is a beautiful metaphor. You know that the wing of a strong bird especially, and of any bird relatively, is strong. It makes a kind of arch, and from the outer side you have the architectural idea of strength. Under the wings, even of such a feeble creature as a hen, there is a complete and perfect refuge for her little chicks, judging from without. The inside of the wing is lined with soft feathers for the comfort of the young. The interior of the wing is arranged as though it would prevent any friction from the strength of the wing to the weakness of the little bird. I don't know of a more snug place than under the wing feathers of the hen. Have you never thought of this? In times of trouble, would not the Lord want us to come and take refuge under the great wing of His omnipotent love, just as the chicks do under the mother? Here is the scripture. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Psalm 91, 4. What a warm defense! When I have seen the little birds poke their heads out from under the feathers of their mother's breast, it has looked like the perfection of happiness. 
When they have chirped their little notes, they have seemed to tell how warm and safe they were, even though there may have been a rough wind blowing around the hen. They could not be happier than they are. If they run a little way, they are soon back again to the wing, for it is house and home to them. It is their shield and refuge, their defense and delight. This is what our young converts have done. They have come not to trust themselves, but to trust in Jesus. They have come to find a righteousness in Christ, yes, to find everything in Him, and so they are trusting, trusting under the wings of God. Is not this what you are doing? There's no rest, no peace, no calm, no perfect quiet, like that of giving up all care because you cast your care on God, of renouncing all fear because your only fear is a fear of offending God. Oh, the joy of knowing that the universe will sooner be dissolved than the great heart that beats above you cease to be full of tenderness and love to all those who shelter beneath it. Faith, however little, is a precious plant of the Lord's right hand planting. Don't trample on it, but tend it with care and water it with love. What is the full reward of those who come to trust under the wings of God? I would answer that a full reward will come to us in that day when we lay down these bodies of flesh and blood so that they may sleep in Jesus, while our unclothed spirits are absent from the body and present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 8. In this bodiless state, we will enjoy perfect happiness of spirit, but a fuller reward will be ours when the Lord will come a second time, and our bodies will rise from the grave to share in the glorious reign of the descended King. Then we will behold the face of Him whom we love, and we will be like Him. 1 John 3 2. Then will come the adoption, that is, the redemption of our body. Romans 8 23. And we, as body, soul, and spirit, a trinity in unity, will be forever with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our triune God. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 This unspeakable joy is the full reward of trusting beneath the wings of Jehovah. There is also a present reward, and Boaz referred to it. There is in this world a present reward for the godly, despite the fact that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Psalm 34, 19. Years ago, a brother minister printed a book entitled How to Make the Best of Both Worlds. It contained much wisdom, but at the same time, many of us objected to the title, as it seemed to divide the pursuit of the believer and put the two worlds too much on the same level. Certainly, it would be wrong for any godly man to make it his goal in life to make the best of both worlds in the way in which the title is likely to suggest. This present world must be subordinate to the world to come, and is to be cheerfully sacrificed to it, if necessary. Yet let it never be forgotten that if any man will live unto God, he will make the best of both worlds, for godliness has the promise of the life that now is, as well as of that which is to come. 1 Timothy 4 8. Even in losing the present life for Christ's sake, we are saving it, Matthew 10, 39, and self-denial and taking up the cross are simply forms of blessedness. If we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all other things will be added to us, Matthew 6, 33. Do you ask, how will we be rewarded for trusting in the Lord? 
I answer, first, by the deep peace of conscience that he will give you. Can any reward be better than this? When a man can say, I have sinned, but I am forgiven, is not that forgiveness an unspeakable blessing? My sins were laid on Jesus, and he took them away as my scapegoat. They are gone forever, and I am consciously absolved. Is not this a glorious assurance? Is it not worth worlds? A calmness settles down upon the heart that is under the power of the blood of sprinkling. Hebrews 12:24. A voice within proclaims the peace of God, and the Holy Spirit seals that peace by his own witness. Thus all is rest. If you were to offer all that you have to buy this peace, you could not purchase it. But if it were able to be purchased, it would be worthwhile to forego the inheritance of a thousand worlds to win it. Even if you had all riches and power and honor, you could not reach the price of the pearl of peace. The revenues of kingdoms could not purchase as much as a glance at this jewel. A guilty conscience is the undying worm of hell. The torture of remorse is the fire that can never be quenched. Mark 9:48. He who has that worm gnawing at his heart and that fire burning in his heart is lost already. On the other hand, he who trusts in God through Christ Jesus is delivered from inward pangs of hell. The burning fever of unrest is cured. He may well sing for joy of soul, for heaven is born within him and lies in his heart like the Christ in the manger. The harps of glory ring out no sweeter note than that of transgression put away by the atoning sacrifice. What was the full reward that Ruth obtained? I don't think that Boaz knew the full meaning of what he said. He could not foresee all that was appointed by the Lord. In the light of Ruth's history, we will read the good man's blessing. This poor stranger, Ruth, in putting her trust in the God of Israel, was giving up everything, but she was also gaining everything. If she could have looked behind the veil that hides the future, she could not have conducted herself more to her own advantage than she did. She had no likelihood of gain. She followed Naomi expecting poverty and obscurity, but in doing that which was right, she found the blessing that makes rich. She lost her Moabite kindred, but she found a noble kinsman in Israel. She gave up the home of her fathers in the other land and found a heritage among the chosen tribes, a heritage redeemed by one who loved her. When you come to trust in Christ, you find in the Lord Jesus Christ one who is next of kin to you, who redeems your heritage, and who unites you to himself. You thought that he was a stranger. You were afraid to approach him, but he comes near to you, and you find yourself near to his heart and one with him forever. Yes, this is a good illustration of each convert's reward. Ruth found what she did not look for. She found a husband. It was exactly what was for her comfort and her joy, for she found rest in the house of her husband, and she became a possessor of his large estate by virtue of her marriage union with him. When a poor sinner trusts in God, he doesn't expect such a great blessing. But to his surprise, his heart finds a husband, a home, and an inheritance that is priceless beyond any dream. And all this is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then is the soul brought into loving, living, lasting, indissoluble union with the well-beloved, the unrivaled Lord of love.
We are one with Jesus. What a glorious mystery this is! Ruth obtained an inheritance among the chosen people of Jehovah. She could not have obtained it except through Boaz, who redeemed it for her. But thus she came into indisputable possession of it. When a poor soul comes to God, he thinks that he is running to Him only for a refuge, but he is indeed coming for much more. He is coming for an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away. 1 Peter 1 4. He becomes an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Romans 8 17.